as uh, called by name takes a seat. And uh, remember, kids' camp is is there for you too. So uh, take advantage of that if you would. All right, we are continuing in a series about what the world Satan wants you uh, wants you to uh, to believe. And uh, this morning, uh, what we're going to talk about is uh, an important topic. And I can prove that to you right at the outset, how important this is to uh, all of us. We're going to talk about that uh, belief the world wants you to have uh, that um, pain in life means God is somehow punishing you and you should avoid pain uh, at all costs. So let's, let's get an observation going about pain. Let's see. How many people in the room really enjoy and like when pain and suffering comes into your life? Just raise your hand. Yeah, look around. Okay, so all right. Now, let's go the opposite way. Uh, how many people in the room have experienced pain or suffering in your life? Raise your hand. Ah, look around. What did we just learn? Nobody likes it, nobody wants it, but everybody gets it, <laughs> right? I mean, nobody wants it, nobody likes it. We don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I just hope I can have a little pain and suffering in my life today. I mean, nobody wants it, nobody likes it, but absolutely all of us will go through the experience of having to deal with it and understand it. What the world wants you to do is when that comes into your life, when that pain and suffering comes into your life, what the world wants you to do is blame God for it. Because if evil can get you to blame God for it, then evil can create a distance between you and God. And if evil creates a distance between you and God because you now are angry at God or disappointed at God uh, in creating that distance, if evil can create that distance that evil can remove God's ability and power in your life. And that means evil can make you absolutely ineffective for the advancement of the kingdom of God on earth. You get how it works? So what the world wants you to believe, what evil wants you to buy into, is that when pain and suffering comes into your life, it is absolutely all God's fault, and that somehow God is punishing you and that God just woke up that morning and said, you got life too good, so I'm just going to punish you for it. Now, you'll notice that when we did the hand raising, like everybody in the room raised their hand, that pain and suffering has somewhere along the way uh, come into your life. And, and there's a lesson in that, and we see the lesson of it also in the scripture. If we go to the book of Job, and you can follow along in your handouts today or uh, on the screen, and I got a lot of scripture for you today, and uh, you know we're just probably not going to get to all of it with the time constraints, but we'll, we'll get to a lot of it. Uh, so follow along, if you will. This comes out of Job uh, 1, right? It says, many years ago, a man named Job lived in the land of Uz, not Oz. Uh, he was a truly good person who respected God and refused to do evil. That sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? What did we just learn about Job? He was a truly good person, and he respected God, and he refused to do evil. Is he doing pretty good? I mean, this is an awesome guy. This is a great guy. I mean, he is just a great guy. He's a good person. Everybody knows that. He's got everything going for him. He respects God. He's in a good relationship with God, apparently. And he absolutely refuses to do evil. So he's living right. He's doing what God wants him to do. I mean, everything is good. And beyond that, look at what comes next. 
Job had seven sons, three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 pair of oxen, 500 donkeys, a large number of servants, as many as shoes as he could fit in his closet. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not there. And he was the richest person in the East. How good is it going for Job? Off the charts good, right? It's going off the charts good for Job. He's got everything right. Everything's moving in the right direction. Everything is good. And yet, what comes into his life? Pain, suffering, loss, and disappointment. What's the lesson? Nobody in this world is immune from the experience that we're going to talk about this morning. None of us in this room are immune. It doesn't matter how good we are. It, it doesn't matter how tight we are with God. It, it, it doesn't matter how we act or don't act. It doesn't matter what our bank account is or what our bank account isn't. We, none of us are immune to the experience of having pain and suffering come into our lives. Why is that? Because pain and suffering is part of a broken world. It came into our world when Adam and Eve got things out of sync with God. It came into our world, and because it's now loose in the world, all of us are subject to the opportunity of having it visit our lives. And there's no rhyme or reason. It's simply loose in the world. And it can visit any one of us at any time. And nowhere, and this is important, nowhere in the experience of pain and suffering is God the one who brings it on us. No, it comes on us because Adam and Eve fail to live in union with God and his purposes. If you go um, uh, into, the, into the scriptures, uh, you'll see that it's all about us bringing it on ourselves. I mean, we can look at Job, and he did absolutely everything right. If you look at this one, it says that he, he would get up early the next morning, and he would offer a sacrifice for, for each of his kids just in case they'd sin or slightly could. This guy would get up in the morning, and his kids would party the night before. He would get up in the morning and go pray and, and confess for his kids because he was afraid they did something wrong. How religious is he? Awesome religious, right? Or, or you go, go further... Uh, it says, uh, one day in Job, one day uh, when the angels uh, had gathered around the Lord and Satan was there with them, the Lord asked Satan where he had been, and Satan replied, now this is important, Satan replied what? I have been going all over the earth. Do you remember when we started the series about what the world wants you to believe? Whose territory is the earth? Who's really running amok out there? Remember? So here we've got it. He's just kind of running amok. He's kind of doing what he does in the earth, right? And so he's been running all over the earth, exerting his authority. And uh, the Lord asked, well, what do you think of my servant Job? No one on earth is like him. He is truly a good person who respects me and refuses to do evil. Isn't that kind of cool that God is bragging on Job? You kind of see that in there? I mean, God's just like kind of, hey, well, okay, you've been on the earth. But I'll tell you what, man, there's nobody like my buddy Job, right? 
I mean, you can wander all over the earth. You can try to do your thing. But I'm telling you, man, there is nobody as great and tight with me as my buddy Job down there. This guy, Job, is an awesome guy. God's kind of bragging on Job, right? And then evil starts interjecting into Job's life. He says, why shouldn't he respect you? And if you go further, Satan remarked, you are like a wall protecting not only him, but his entire family and all his property. You make him successful in whatever he does, in his flocks, and his herds, and everywhere. Try taking away everything he owns, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord replied, all right, Satan, do what you want. Who's going to do the doing? You see that? This is not God saying, yeah, you know, man, Job's got it too good, so I think I ought to do a little course correction here and bring some suffering into his life, right? God is not the one bringing the suffering to his life. God is simply the one that says, look, I trust Job's faith. There's nobody on the earth like Job. I trust Job's faith. And God is willing to let suffering and pain exist in Job's life. But the one that's bringing the pain and the suffering is the evil one. You see that? God is not bringing the pain and suffering. We've got to get this right. God does not bring pain and suffering into our lives. We're good at that ourselves. God doesn't have to. We're perfectly capable in our broken nature of making that happen on our own, or our world is able to do that as well. Pain and suffering is not God's idea. And if you go to, uh, you go to Romans 5, uh, Paul says, Adam sinned, and that sin brought death into the world. Now everyone has sinned, and so, so everyone must do what? You see, the reality is, if I had a hammer up here today, if I brought my prop and had a hammer up here and a nail, and I decided I was going to pound a nail into this table and uh, put my thumb in the wrong place and came down on top of my thumb, would I bring some suffering into my life? I would, right? Boy, that would be dumb, huh? But you know what? Well, that's what we do, right? We, we make bad decisions. We do things contrary to God's will. And, and it turns out badly for us. And sometimes pain and suffering comes into our life because we just make wrong decisions. And we step outside of the will of God. And when we do that, pain and suffering is going to come into our lives. Sometimes pain and suffering comes into our life because other people do that. Other people step outside of God's will. And it, and it comes into our life because they make bad decisions. Uh, some of you know already, but my, uh, my father was killed when I was 13 years old. I just turned 13 years old. And my father was killed in an auto accident by a drunk, drunk driver. And I can tell you in that whole experience, even as a 13-year-old, I never blamed God. It, it never occurred to me. I don't know why, but it just never occurred to me to, to, to blame God for my father's death because I already had somebody to blame. Who, who, who clearly did I have to blame? Some guy that got up that morning and decided he was going to drink his breakfast and drink his lunch and then drive his car. That's who I was angry at. I wasn't angry at God. I was angry at this, this guy that I don't even know. I've never met, don't know his name. But I know he got up that morning, drank his breakfast, drank his lunch, and got behind a car and pushed my dad into oncoming traffic in his car and resulted in my dad's death. Suffering, pain came into my life, not because God did something, but because somebody else did something. Pain and suffering comes into our life because we make bad decisions outside of God's will. Pain and suffering comes because other people make bad decisions 
outside of God's will. And pain and suffering comes just because, remember, who's roaming the earth? Right? Evil's roaming the earth. And, and sometimes stuff's just going to come into our life for no rhyme, for no reason, but just because we exist in a broken world. The real question for us, here's the meat, the real question for us is not whether pain or suffering will or will not come into our life. We've already answered that, right? The real question is, how will you receive it when it comes? Isn't that right? When it comes, how will you receive it? How will you respond when that pain and suffering enters into your life? What I want to do is take you to some, some scriptures and suggest to you that the Bible gives us a pattern, it gives us a path to be able to work our way through this challenge of pain and suffering when it comes into our life. First, pain when it comes, we need to be able to receive it. Now, you've got to be clear here. I'm not suggesting that the Bible tells us we need to wake up tomorrow morning and go and say, you know, life's going too good for me. I need to go find some pain and suffering. Right? I mean, it's not saying that. I mean, you know, if you can avoid pain and suffering at all, if you can avoid it, you know, ethically and morally and then rightly, biblically, I mean, avoid pain and suffering. Don't go looking for the problem, right? But if it comes into your life, the Bible would say to you, when it comes into your life, you need to be able to receive it. Let me let me show you a check, text from 1 Corinthians. Paul says, "Are you a slave?" Don't let that bother you. But if you can win your freedom, you should. Now just think about what he just said. If you're a slave, well, what should you do? Well, just receive that. Don't let it bother you. Just receive. That's where you are. Just just receive it. But, but if you can win your freedom, you know, go ahead and win your freedom. If pain and suffering comes into your life, you need to receive it. Don't, don't go looking for it. Don't go try to create it in your life. But if it comes, and it will, just receive it. Right? The, the image I'd give you is, uh, everybody like, anybody like boxing? It's not one of those favorite sports for a lot of people, but you've seen boxing, right? Sure. And, and what happens, you know, the two guys are in the ring, right? And, and the one guy just really lands a really good blow, and it stuns the other fighter, right? And, and he's got a little pain and suffering all over him, right? Stuns him. What does the other fighter do? Well, if he makes a mistake and he just keeps backing up, right, the, the guy that's hitting him does what? Keeps advancing and keeps pummeling the heck out of him, right? But instead, if the fighter who's stunned and has got a little pain and suffering all over him, if he lunges forward and wraps the guy up, what happens? The guy can't swing at him anymore. Isn't that right? If he steps into it, if he receives the blow and he steps into it and he wraps the guy up, right, and just holds on for dear life, the guy can't pummel him anymore. And, you know, the referee has to separate him and do all that stuff, right? But what's the difference? The difference is the one fighter is backing away from it and giving it more opportunity to get into his life. The other person is stepping into it and receiving it and saying, you know what, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm just going to wrap this up. I'm going to wrap my arms around this, get a handle on this, and receive it into our life. You see the difference? You see, when pain and suffering comes into our life, the Bible would encourage us to be able to step, just go ahead, accept it, receive it, step into it. Don't let it control you. Wrap it up. 
Wrap it up in your life. Look, look what Job does when, uh, when pain and suffering comes into, uh, into his life. It says, when Job, when Job heard this, he tore his clothes, shaved his head because of his great sorrow. He knelt on the ground, then worshipped God and said, We bring nothing at birth. We take nothing with us at death. The Lord alone gives and takes. Praise the name of the Lord. In spite of everything, Job did not sin or accuse God of doing wrong. What did Job just do? Didn't he kind of step into it? He just kind of stepped into it, wrapped his arms around it and said, Hey, it's here. You know, it's not God's fault. It's in my life. Praise be the name of the Lord. He just kind of stepped into it, didn't he? And wrapped his arms around it, right? Uh, we can see the same thing in, in uh, Job 2, where some more suffering comes into his life. It gets tougher for Job, right? And in Job 2, even though his wife kind of gives the worldly point of view here, Job doesn't accept the world's point of view. It says, Then Job sat on the ash heap to show his sorrow. While he was scraping his sores with a broken piece of pottery, his wife asked, Why do you still trust God? Why don't you curse him and die? Isn't that the voice of the world? Saying, look, forget God. It's God's fault. Just curse the heck out of God and and step away from God. What does Job do? Job replied, don't talk like a fool. If we accept blessings from God, we must, what? Accept troubles as well. Do you see that? Embrace receive doesn't mean you relish in it but but you got to wrap your arms around it you got to be able to embrace it and 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 receive it and it says in all that that happened job never once said anything against god what's the key we we are the people who can step into that pain and suffering and we can wrap our arms around it and receive it the world wants to use it to separate us from god And yet, even the pain and suffering becomes an opportunity for us to step even closer to God. You see the difference? Isn't that awesome? That which the world tries to do to push us away from God, God can use in our lives to have us actually step in and wrap our arms around and get even closer to Him. How do we get closer? Well, we get closer because, first of all, we receive the pain and we're willing to express our sorrow to God. We receive it and we respond to that pain by expressing our sorrow. Right? The Bible doesn't tell us that when we have pain and bad things happening in our life that we get to do jumping jacks and cartwheels and, you know. No, we receive the pain and we're able to express our sorrow. I, I want to tell you, God is big enough to handle all of the sorrow that you can put on His plate. He is. I can prove it to you. Just go to this hill outside of Jerusalem on that day when Jesus was hanging on the cross. He can handle everything you can throw at him. He's big enough. And he is willing to receive all of the anguish, all of the frustration, all of that sorrow that we want to pour out. Job, he gets hit one after another after another. Servant comes and speaks to him, and a second came, and a third came, and a fourth came, one after another with bad news. And yet, remember, what does he do in verse 20? When Job heard this, he tore his clothes, shaved his head because of his great sorrow, and he knelt down to the ground, and then he did what? He had a serious talk with God. Don't you think? He worshipped God. He he brought God into the equation. Again, the world wants to drive a wedge between us. If we receive it, 
it becomes an opportunity for us to get even closer to God. Job receives the pain and the suffering. He steps into it, and he starts worshiping God and pouring out his sorrow. Now, we should know this. We should know this because all we have to do is look at Jesus because he did the same thing. Jesus does the same thing. If you go to Matthew 26, while, while Jesus was in that Garden of Gethsemane experience, right before he's arrested, right before all the pain and the suffering of the cross, it just says, Jesus walked on a little way, then he knelt with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, don't make me suffer by having me drink from this cup. What is he doing? Can't you, can't you just feel the anguish there? I mean, can't you just feel the sorrow there? I mean, his face is on the ground. He's just totally just pouring himself out to the Father, right? And saying, man, oh, if I don't have to do this, God, if I, if I don't have to experience this. You see, he's pouring out and drawing closer to God and pouring out his sorrow. That's what we get to do. We get to pour out our sorrow. And in doing that, we can embrace the pain and even draw closer to God. Once that happens, we get closer to God, we get a better ability to understand that even this time of pain, in this time of suffering in our life, is an opportunity for God to work. That God can work. We just trust this. That God can work even in those times of intense pain and sorrow uh, in our lives. If you look at that experience again in uh, Jesus in Gethsemane, in, uh, in uh, Matthew 26, um, and it's got some stuff highlighted for you. It says, Jesus walked on that little way. He knelt down, face to the ground. He's pouring out his sorrow, right? But look what happens when he's done saying that. But do what you want and not what I want. He does it a second time, prayed, Father, if it's possible stuff, but still do what you want. What was he aware of and confident was going to take place in this experience in spite of his pain and sorrow? God was going to do something, Right? Not what I want, but do what you want. He was absolutely confident that even in the pain, even in the suffering, even in the sorrow, that God was going to do something. This is how it works. When we embrace that experience and draw closer to God, we pour out our sorrow, but we do it knowing God has not abandoned us. Even in our pain, even in our sorrow, God can do incredible things. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons that I'm here today, one of the reasons that I've been in ministry over these years is because of the experience I had at the death of my father. Because God showed up in my life on that day. God showed up on that day. And what was an extraordinarily painful and sorrowful experience in my life as a 13-year-old has led to years of ministry because I know what God can do in life, especially in the midst of pain and sorrow. And he promises us that that's, that's the way it works. I've got some other texts for you. Uh, James 1 is there. Uh, Romans 5 is there. But if you go to Hebrews 5, so guys, if you can flip forward, and there you go. If you go to Hebrews 5, uh, you can see this applies even to Jesus. This is an awesome text. It says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Is he pouring out his sorrow? Yeah? Okay. 
And he heard, and, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. He received it. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from all the parties and the celebrations and all the good times in his life. Is that what it says? Of course not. Where do you learn obedience? In his suffering. Do you see that? Isn't that amazing? I mean, we trust that God can even use those difficult times in our life, right? Those difficult times in our life, and He can even use those for our good. And out of that, He can even equip us to be more effective in the kingdom. Look, look at uh, 2 Corinthians 1. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the suffering of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Isn't it awesome? Remember where we started today? The world wants you to believe that all pain and suffering is God's fault. So it can push you further away from God. And if you're further away from God, you can't live in God's power and strength, and you become ineffective for the kingdom. Remember that? But when you receive the pain, and you put your sorrow into Christ, when, when you trust that God can work even in the pain, God can lead you to a place where you not only get through the pain and through the sorrow, but you become even more effective for the kingdom. Isn't that awesome? That which the world wants to achieve to make distance, God can use to make you an incredible kingdom worker. Isn't that awesome? I think that's awesome. My gosh. That which the world wants to drive, drive us away, God can use to make us even more effective. And then, last piece here, it can even make us do things the world can't understand when we do them. Right? When pain and suffering comes, we, because we trust God, we can even do things the world can't understand. Uh, and that's rejoice even in the face of pain. Look at uh, James 1. I gave you James 1. I gave you Romans 5. Uh, but just look at James 1 for a minute. And I highlighted some stuff to help you with it. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lack anything. Now, hang with me on this. You ready? We already talked about pouring out our emotions and our sorrow, right? But look at this text. Consider it and because you know are not emotional statements. I mean, they're not emotion-based statements, are they? What are they? Reason-based, head-based, thinking-based. Consider it. Think about it. Consider it. Because you know in your head, because you're aware and you understand, right? What is he saying? Well, we pour out our sorrow, of course, absolutely. We pour that out to God. We put that on the cross with Christ, right? But at the same time, we've got to step back and consider Trust God can work in the pain. Trust God can make us even tighter and closer to Him. Trust that God can use this to even impact somebody else's life. Trust 
consider because we know. You see, we have to ultimately not just express our sorrow, but be grounded in what we know. And when we do that, we can even be joyful. Go figure that one out. How can the world, who's trying to say it's all God's fault, understand it when you and I go through pain and suffering and we come through it and say, you know what, just like Job, God is awesome. Praise be the Lord. Praise be the Lord. You see, this is the miracle. This is the miracle of what God does, even in our pain and our suffering. I, I've given you more text to kind of kind of back that up. Uh, and uh, uh, you can even look at 1 Thessalonians, 5, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says, Be joyful how often? Always. Notice there's no limit there. Don't be, just know it's good and, you know, be joyful. Pray continually, give thanks in how many circumstances? Get it? Right? Yeah. Now, here's the qualifier, right? I think we've done good stuff this morning, but there's a qualifier. And that means, remember, you don't go looking for pain and suffering. And when it comes, it doesn't mean when it comes, you embrace it and just say, you know, I'm just going to stay right here. I'm just going to stay in this pain and suffering. You know, I'm just going to hold on to this pain and suffering. Absolutely not. Right? When you're in the middle of the pain and suffering... We trust God's working. We pour out our, our sorrow to the cross, right? We trust and we know and we can even have joy. But it doesn't mean we say, well, I'm just going to stay here. No, we also pray it would end soon. We just fervently go to God and say, God, please, just, just work in your grace and, and have this end soon, right? Uh, it happened with uh, David when uh, his son was sick from Bathsheba. And it says in 2 Samuel that David just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Right? Why? Because he said, you know what? God's grace may show up and take it away. What we do is the same thing. We embrace it. We step into it. We pour out our sorrow. We get confident that God is working. We can even find joy in it because it brings us closer to God. We can even become more effective for the kingdom because of it. But at the same time, we just ask God, boy, let, let it end. Let it end. Are you with me? Let's pray. Father, uh, it is not an easy thing. It is not an easy thing to get a handle on, to understand the pain and the suffering that we go through. And yet we know because it's a broken world, because evil is loose <laughs> and working, because we make bad decisions and so do other people. We know. We just know it's going to come. So we just ask this morning, uh, let these words prepare us that when it comes, we can embrace it. When it comes, we, we willingly.